Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. I'm Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We are back recording here Sunday evening, January 21st. We have a full slate of TCU basketball content to discuss this evening. TCU men's basketball dropping a pair of Big 12 games this past week. TCU losing on the road to Cincinnati, 81-77 to in overtime. The Cincinnati fans rushing the court. Perhaps the first time ever that TCU has been court rushed in men's basketball. We will uh, break that game down and talk about what happened down the stretch and why TCU was not able to close this one out. We will also break down the game that occurred at Schulmeyer Arena yesterday evening. TCU falling at home for the first time this season, losing to Iowa State 73-72. to Trey Tennyson hits a three-pointer at the end of the second half to make it a one-point game, but Iowa State wins without its star player, Taman Lipsy, who did not play due to a shoulder injury. Again, we will talk about that game, what went wrong for TCU, and how the Frogs can bounce back now as they fall to 2-3 and three in the conference and 13-5 and five overall on the season. TCU women's basketball has been in the news this past week. A flurry of updates regarding all of the injuries that have really hamstrung the program. Uh, We have players going on TikTok giving updates. We have statements coming out from the athletic director. We have open tryouts being held for walk-ons. We have multiple season-ending injuries. It's it's been a mouthful for women's basketball. And thankfully, the team uh, is scheduled to play against UCF on Tuesday, but this comes after both the Kansas State and Iowa State game were canceled this past week, which is a rarity. It's a a very bizarre time for TCU women's basketball right now, but we will break all of that down. And we also have a couple of updates at the end of the podcast, some non-rev sports that are back in action. Cam Norrie making a big run at the Australian Open, and uh, this should be a good episode tonight. Um, I had a, a pretty solid weekend. Myself went up to Wisconsin, got to spend some quality time with uh, some fa- my family, uh, brother and his wife, and had a chance to meet my new nephew for the first time. He's about two months old and uh, really enjoyed that time with him. And we went out and watched the Packers 49ers game. And uh, he and I being Bears fans, we we really enjoyed the, the night out. It was a win-win. Uh, the bar was giving out free lemon drops for every Packer touchdown. And uh, whenever the Niners would score, we uh, kind of reveled in that as as Bears fans. So uh, it was a, a solid night and had a little bit of better weather as well. It's no longer single digits. Uh, gosh, I was driving out to cover a basketball game Friday night, and it was about minus five when I got back to my apartment. And uh, my schedule has been thrown off with a bunch of cancellations and postponements due to the weather. So it uh, feels good to be back into a, a – a, regular rhythm and hopefully we'll get some some better weather this week as well so uh, it was a solid weekend for me and Anthony hopefully it was a solid weekend for you as well yeah it was a pretty nice weekend it did get uh some good basketball news my son his second grade little like rec league team they had a really great game and he he had a good game he had his best game of the season and got a few buckets out there. So uh, I did get to see some good basketball in Fort Worth this weekend. Some of the the actual good basketball news out here. Wasn't much of it coming from the TCU side. So at least we got that 
um, do have some kind of, uh, I don't know, cough, cold situation going through the house. It seems to have caught up with me a little bit. Hopefully it doesn't ruin our audio too bad. I'm, uh, I'm rocking a, a, a cough drop right now. So hopefully that's not like clanking against my teeth on, on the audio, but, uh, we're going to get through this. There's a lot of big, big news to talk in, in Horn Frog universe here. So happy to get into it. Yeah. And before we do, we will share an update, uh, from Charlie Hustle, our, Sponsorship with Charlie Hustle will be continuing into 2024. We are finalizing some details with them right now. But uh, in the meantime, Charlie Hustle has dropped a new TCU basketball hoodie. If you want to check that out, you can uh, go to charliehustle.com or check out our posts on Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War. We have our promo code Frogs of War gets you 15% off that purchase. So if you're looking for another TCU hoodie, to add to your closet, be sure to go to charliehustle.com and check that out. They always make great stuff. So with that, we'll go ahead and tip off this podcast tonight with TCU men's basketball going to Cincinnati for a big, big 12 road game. Bearcats coming in, uh, having already beaten BYU on the road, almost beat Baylor in Waco, a very good team that was favored to win this game by three and a half points. Uh, TCU came in as an underdog despite cracking the top 25 as the number 19 team in the country. Anthony, I know you said that uh, Cincinnati would probably be favored to to win. And this was a game where TCU certainly had its opportunities in the first half as well as late in the second half. Uh, I'll fast forward to the a latter portion of the second half here, TCU had a 60 to 53 lead with about six minutes to go and really had an opportunity to close this out if they could just execute some of the basics. But free throw shooting was abysmal for TCU in regulation. They were two for eight on free throws. And thankfully, Cincinnati was just as bad, despite the fact Cincinnati shot over twice the number of free throws that TCU did. Cincinnati only made about 50% of their free throws and TCU finished six for 12, but two for eight in regulation. Micah Peavy missed a couple of free throws down the stretch. Ernest Uday missed, I think, three free throws down the stretch and uh, was just not a slop. It was a, a sloppy execution from the Frogs down the stretch. Avery Anderson really struggled to handle the ball in this game. He had six turnovers, including a couple of really silly turnovers down the stretch that led to fast break points for the Bearcats. He got benched over the last couple of minutes of the game. Jameer Nelson came in. Uh, Nelson finished six for 15 from the field, one for five from three. Also struggled with turnovers. He had four in the game. And TCU just kind of let Cincinnati back into it by the end of the second half. Bearcats made a couple of big shots, a big three-pointer from the corner to take the lead. Trey Tennyson came up huge down the stretch, had uh, 17 points in the game, 6 of 12 shooting, including a big, big three-pointer over the last uh, minute of the game, knocked down a huge shot to give TCU a two-point lead. Cincinnati's able to tie it on a tough layup and then kind of a bizarre sequence uh, down the stretch as TCU misses a shot, Cincinnati gets the rebound, and then Avery Anderson commits a really dumb foul with the Bearcats in the bonus to 
send them to the free throw line on a foul 90 feet away from the basket. Thankfully, Cincinnati did not make the free throws. They missed both of them. Ernest Uday gets the rebound. He gets fouled with two seconds to go with an opportunity to give TCU a one-point lead, and he misses the front end of a one-and-one. And it ultimately concludes at the end of regulation, tied at 67. But the Bearcats really just kind of took over in overtime. They were knocking down three-pointers. They were knocking down tough shots around the basket, some tough layups. And TCU just could not get any rhythm going offensively down the stretch. TCU made one field goal over the final five and a half minutes of the game. That was the Trey Tennyson three-pointer. Almost everything was in the half court. TCU was really struggling to get out in transition. Only 13 fast break points for TCU in this game. Cincinnati really did a good job of preventing TCU from running. And the ball pressure was also very, uh, very tough for TCU's guards. They struggle again. Jameer Nelson, Avery Anderson combined for 10 turnovers. And the Frogs just unfortunately let one get away. The fans rushed the court as the final buzzer sounded in overtime. It was the first Big 12 home win for Cincinnati and uh, a very emotional game. Uh, Some very questionable officiating down the stretch on both sides, but uh, a big win for Cincinnati. I personally was not a huge fan of the court storm, but uh, TCU has not been court stormed probably ever in men's basketball. So I guess it's a, a little bit of now a made it. compliment. Yeah. And, and I, I think I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta be less of a boomer and accept that court storming is happening much more than it used to. And uh, just got to move on there. And the, the players had to move on as well because you had a tough game coming up right around the corner against Iowa state. So uh, ultimately just, from my standpoint, watching this game, this felt like a game where if TCU could just execute down the stretch, handle the ball, knock down free throws, it would have been a win for the Frogs. But uh, it's a tough learning experience, and it's very difficult to win on the road in the Big 12. So it it definitely felt like a big missed opportunity for TCU to let this one slip away. There's really no reason for... TCU to have lost this game. The the way this game played out, TCU led for over 37 minutes of game time, um, had stretches where they were dominant, opened this game, sprinted out to an 11-point lead midway through the first half, and that just, they, they went through these streaks of scoring droughts that were, uh, you know... <laughs> Half court offense wasn't working, shots weren't falling, turnovers abound, um, you know, missed free throws. You mentioned the missed free throws, just it killer, killer missed free throws in this game. Um, but to have that eleven point lead dwindle down to to a one point game at halftime, then you build it back up again in the second half. You you come out kind of on fire. Um, you know, you had chances to put this team away to send that crowd, uh, a very active, excited crowd, send them home um, early, Sh- shut them down, shut them up early, and and walk away with the win. And <clears throat> TCU just wasn't able to do that. TCU 
so there were several points in this game and there there were uh the you mentioned the the Avery Anderson turnover there was a particularly bad Avery Anderson turnover that was TCU was leading I, I don't know it was four or seven or something and it leads to in a, a breakaway score on the other end and it was a, a big turning point in the game and that was a possession where TCU scores there. I mean, it's close to being curtains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the flip that at that point in the game to give away an immediate score when uh, you know just lazy pass in the in in the backcourt. Um, you know, you're just kind of whipping the ball around and. I don't know if TCU was just not ready for the length of this Cincinnati team. Those Cincinnati guards were really, really impressive. I think they were better than I expected them to be. Um, you know, I, I going into this game thought it was going to be the big guys. They've got two two big guys, very talented, strong scorers. And, you know, Lakin scored 11 points, um, the guy who I was most afraid of and and that's a pretty good game but he was not the dominant force that um that Dayday Thomas and Skillings and Newman those guys just really took it to the Horn Frogs out mm-hmm. outplayed Emmanuel Miller and and by far outplayed Avery Anderson and Jameer Nelson in this one um you know i i think it's it's one TCU's going to look back on as you know when when the conference standings come down it's going to be a tight race to the finish to see who finishes in the top four and gets those buys in this new um, conference tournament outlook that uh, that the conference released where the top four teams get a double buy um, and the bottom four teams have like a play-in game. Um, so you really want to avoid that bottom four and you really want to be in that top four. So every game is going to be huge, hugely important we're going to look back on this one as a, as a painful one, I think. Yeah. The, the turnovers were really troubling in this game. I think that was perhaps my biggest takeaway was TCU finished with 19 turnovers in this one, which was a season high prior to the Iowa state game where turnovers were once again, a enormous issue, but the way Cincinnati was able to pressure the ball down the stretch, you mentioned Newman, uh, he was a menace defensively down the stretch. He was clamping Jameer Nelson. He was clamping mm-hmm. Avery Anderson. And those two players did not shoot the ball well in this game either. Nelson off the bench was six for 15, one for five from three. He also had a three-point shot late in this game where he's at the elbow, he has the ball, and Cincinnati is just crowding the paint underneath the basket, daring him to shoot the ball. And he ultimately takes the shot after hesitating a little bit and bricks it badly. Um, Cincinnati just played with more energy down the stretch. It just felt like they were doing everything a step quicker than TCU was. It felt like the Frogs were really struggling to find any room to operate offensively. Emmanuel Miller was very quiet in this game. TCU tried to get him the ball down the stretch in the mid-range area, down on the block, and there was just nothing happening there. And and what was really 
troubling as well was in overtime, Cincinnati didn't have its big seven footer who, who came off the bench and gave them really good minutes. He fouled out on, on kind of a ticky tack call. I mentioned the officiating was uh, frankly pretty awful both ways in this game, but the, the Bearcats were without their, their seven footer who did a tremendous job throughout most of the game. Uh, they didn't have him down the stretch, but they knocked down threes. They they had a player, it might have been Day Day Thomas, who's about 25% from three-point range, knocked down a big one from the corner late in regulation. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. This is a game that TCU is probably going to look back on and say that this is one that we should have had. But I think the big takeaway for me, again, was the turnovers. Because if you remember after the Houston game, the way TCU executed down the stretch, playing without a timeout over the last roughly five minutes of the game. And Jamie Dixon told the players in the locker room, he said, you guys are the smartest team in the country. And they played very smart basketball down the stretch of that game. And that's why they were able to win. In this game, it was the exact opposite. The the lazy passes that resulted in turnovers and fast break points for Cincinnati the inability to make free throws two for eight, that comes out to 29%. That's, that's unacceptable by any standard. Uh, even at the high school level, you, you can't win games when you're that bad shooting free throws. Uh, perhaps the Cincinnati crowd played a role in that, but uh, the turnovers TCU cannot, continue to turn the ball over at this rate. And and we'll be getting into the Iowa state game here shortly where turnovers were again, really bad, but the, the ball handling is something I'm genuinely becoming concerned about because um, I guess if we can, we can segue here into Iowa state, Anthony, unless you have any other thoughts about the Cincinnati game, because I really want to get into the, the these turnovers here and why it's such a big issue. No, I think they I think these two games really tie together. I mean, the the issues that we saw in the Cincinnati game just got kind of blown out on on even a larger scale in the Iowa State game. Um so yeah, I think it, it you kind of end up talking about both games. So yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, absolutely. So TCU uh returns home <clears throat> yesterday afternoon for a top 25 matchup. Iowa State coming in as the number 24 team in the country and playing without its star player, Taman Lipsy, who was out with a shoulder injury, averages about 14 and a half a game with five rebounds, five assists, over three steals a game. Extremely dynamic player. TCU ultimately, by the time the game tipped off, was a five-point favorite. The line shifted quite a bit when it was announced that Lipsy was not going to play. But if if you watched Iowa State for the first time, you would not even realize that he wasn't on the floor because the way the Cyclones came out, they dominated the first half of this basketball game. Uh, I I frankly was so frustrated that I turned the game off at halftime. I understand that TCU was able to rally in the second half, but to put some uh, some context into this discussion as to why I was so frustrated. TCU opened the game with back-to-back turnovers from Avery Anderson, who was immediately sent to the bench. 
Yes. TCU turned the ball over nine times in the first six minutes of the game. They finished with 18 turnovers in the first half. I don't know if I've ever seen a game first half where TCU or any any team in, in any level turned the ball over 18 times in one half. That's just flat out bizarre. TCU finishes the game with 27 turnovers, which is not only a season high, it's the most turnovers in a game under Jamie Dixon. And I believe it's also a program record by one. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in there because I, I went and I did my own research on this one. So at least as far back as the 2000-2001 season, which is as far back as GoFrogs.com kept stats available online, uh, this is this is the most. <clears throat> um the next closest was in 2015-16 season, uh, which is prior to Jamie Dixon's arrival. TCU had uh, 26 turnovers each against Washington and West Virginia that season, both games on the road. Um, they hadn't had, I think it was maybe since like 2000... Uh, a home game with anywhere approaching this many turnovers is not really ever happened. There's, uh, you know, in the Jamie Dixon era, it's a total of nine games with 20 or more turnovers total since the, the 2017, 2016-17 season uh, when Jamie Dixon took over. So this was an anomaly, but in a very extreme uh yeah program worst at least that in in modern stat keeping history available on college basketball reference or through TCU and Iowa State was punishing TCU for every single turnover it felt like every time the frogs turned the ball over and it wasn't just one or two guys by the way Avery Anderson finished with seven turnovers Jameer Nelson finished with five Emmanuel Miller finished with four uh, Ernest Uday had three, I believe. Xavier Cork in four minutes off the bench had three turnovers. Uh, Micah Peavy was the only starter who did not have a turnover in this game. And Iowa State was scoring layups. They were hitting three-pointers off of these turnovers. Iowa State finished with 36 points off turnovers. Nearly all of those came in the first half. Iowa State had a 44-26 lead at halftime. Fittingly, the first half ended with a out-of-bounds play from TCU that resulted in a turnover inside the three-point line and a run-out for the Cyclones. A layup right before the buzzer. TCU finds itself down by 18 after the first half. And somehow the Frogs were able to work their way back into this game and a couple of runs in the second half brought it to four. Trey Tennyson again was very solid offensively he finished with 19 points in this game this was after he scored 17 on 6 of 12 shooting against Cincinnati which included that big three-point shot late in that game he's he's really emerging as not just a very good shooter he is perhaps the most dynamic scorer that TCU has right now uh, he's making tough shots he's knocking down shots from various areas of the floor 
and he may very well be the guy that TCU uh, features offensively out of the backcourt moving forward because uh, he was a big reason why the Frogs were able to mount a comeback. I think Miller knocked down a couple of shots as well. And TCU found itself in a position at home. The the fans who were actually booing the team at halftime were getting into the game. The fans were getting very excited. The blackout in the in the crowd and to to just kind of a sequence late in this game that really encapsulated the struggles early on. Uh, Jacoby Coles sets a good screen. He catches a pass at the top of the three-point line for a wide-open triple, bricks it off the backboard. I don't even know if the shot hit iron. Uh, Emmanuel Miller gets the offensive rebound. TCU was fantastic rebounding the ball in this game. 40-26, to the rebounding advantage. 22-11 to on the defensive end. Uh, Emmanuel Miller gets the offensive rebound, spins to his right, misses a five-footer. Micah Peavy gets another offensive rebound, goes for a putback from three feet, misses it, and Iowa State gets the rebound, uh, and that was pretty much the game. Uh, and what led to this as well was the Cyclones missed the front end of a one-and-one, and, one, and they also missed the front end of a one-and-one one again in the final seconds as TCU got the ball, passed it up to Tennyson. He put up a three as the buzzer went off. It was good. It made it a one-point game, but ultimately it was not enough as the final score. Again, 73-72, to 72, the Cyclones beat the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth, the first home loss of the season for TCU. Jamie Dixon talked after the game about how disappointed he was with the team's effort given the circumstances, home game. He talked about how a goal – for the team this year was to not lose any home games. And I mean, a reason for that is it's so tough to win on the road in this conference. I think after Tuesday night against Cincinnati, big 12 teams on the road were seven and 18. And that includes all of the ranked teams in the conference. I mean, Kansas lost a a road game to UCF. Like it's going to be very difficult to win on the road. So these home games are super crucial. And this was a game where, I mean, you have every reason to come out and put on a good show for the home fans. It was a great crowd. Iowa state coming in without a key piece. And this team just did not look like they were ready to play. And before we got into the the discussion, segueing into this game, I, I mentioned the turnovers. I've talked about turnovers a lot, but part of me thinks Iowa state must have seen something on film or maybe they watched the final 10 minutes of the TCU Cincinnati game because they were very aggressive defensively in the way they pressured the ball. And to look at the stats, Avery Anderson and Jameer Nelson, they combined for 10 turnovers in uh, 10 turnovers in the Cincinnati game, 12 turnovers combined in this Iowa State game. That's 22 turnovers from your top two point guards over the last two games um that that can't happen moving forward I mean it's it's plain and simple these two guys are veteran players they've been around for a while they've proven that they can play at a very high level but if they continue to turn the ball over like this TCU is not going to win many games in the conference the the ball security 
particularly in the backcourt, has to improve moving forward. And that was a big takeaway for me from this Iowa State game. Is it, it just it just kind of feels like that's the most glaring problem with this team right now is the the ball security in the backcourt has to be better moving forward. It was nice to see TCU have a better free throw shooting performance. They were 20 for 26. That's 77%. A shout out to Ernest Uday as well, because he went eight for eight on free throws in this game. And he was very active. He uh, he's really played well over the last couple of games. He was very aggressive on the offensive glass against Cincinnati, had a couple of big putbacks in that one. He's been rebounding the ball very well. Frankly, he's the only productive big man that TCU has right now. Uh, Xavier Cork in nine minutes against Cincinnati had zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. In four minutes against Cincinnati, he had three turnovers with zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists. Uh, Isam Mustafa has not scored in each of his last three games. So it's been very nice to see Ernest Uday step up and be aggressive on the offensive glass and make an impact with a couple of those other guys really struggling. But uh, Anthony, as you watch this game, what, what frustrated you the most about this game? And uh, what, what do you feel is just kind of the, the, the biggest issue that this team is facing right now that maybe these, these last two games have shown us? Well, the thing that frustrated me most about this game is it really felt like TCU had no intention of playing this game. They came out like they were hungover, uh, like they had. It was like they were going to walk over this team, mm-hmm. similar to the way the football team came out against Colorado or something like that, where this is a team that oh, they're missing their best player we're favored and we're going to walk out there in front of our crowd and we're going to roll over. Um, and that just obviously wasn't the case. Um, TCU, like you said, came out immediately, turned the ball over twice, immediately looked like they were deer in the headlights. Um, and it was, it's, it's troublesome <clears throat> because uh, it's it's two consecutive games of of this where turnovers are such a problem, and it obviously was worse here. You, you know, I think Iowa State's coach T.J. Otzenberger is clearly has something on Jamie Dixon. I think he's got his number a little bit. Um, I think the Cyclones swept TCU last season, and. I think this is the only game that they play against each other this season. So that's, that's, uh, you know, two straight seasons sweeping the Horn Frogs. That's, uh, this is a game TCU again should have won. Um, uh, man. So 50 points Iowa State scored off of either second chance opportunity or points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> out of 73 for the game. I mean, yeah. if TCU was, yeah, I mean, I guess the final totals on rebounding look okay. Um, and, and they, they end up dominating the rebound total, but 
TCU, when, when Iowa State was getting those offensive rebounds, they were scoring. Um, they were either grabbing them and dishing it back out for a three, or they were putting it right back in the basket. So um, TCU has needs to clean up that piece of the game. In addition to the turnovers, I mean, some of these turnovers were so, so sloppy. Like, you do not see turnovers like this at this level of basketball. The way TCU played last week, um, you know, really, you, you don't see turnovers like this in the Big 12. You don't see turnovers like this uh, across Division One basketball. It was, they were really, really sloppy. Um, the bad inbounds plays, just bad ball movement at uh at the point of attack bad slow you know rainbow passes you know things that you would teach grade school kids not to do um i I think it, it was as bad a performance particularly in the first half as we've seen out of a tcu team certainly under jamie dixon um i think it was it was an embarrassing performance in the first half. And yeah, the final score comes down as a one point game. Um, but that TCU was only able to turn on, turn it on in the final minutes. I, I think it's, it's very scary. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing too, because we, we talked about last week, how good this team was. And you mentioned this, how good this team was, uh, controlling things down the stretch against Houston, mm-hmm. a an extremely good defensive team that pressures the ball and forces you to do things um, in a different way, and TCU handled that. And here they are uh, getting completely run out of the gym by Iowa State. Um, it, it's it's just a really rough look. I think, um, yeah, I mean, Xavier Cork to have uh, in the last two games play 12 minutes zero points, three fouls, three turnovers, one rebound. Oh, man. Um, it, it, TCU needs more out of Xavier Cork. <clears throat> Clearly needs more out of Isam Mustafa as well. Um, you know, I think you mentioned Uday. Really, I have to give, I have to second your shout out on the free throw shooting because, uh, you know, he had that opportunity to win the game in Cincinnati from the free throw line. He misses it. And he comes back the next game and, and makes eight straight. Um, that's I, I think that was very impressive. He clearly, um, it, it's important to him to improve that piece of his game, and and he took that to heart. So you have to like that kind of a silver lining. Um, excuse me, but I, you know I think we're going to talk about how this leads into this next week. I mean TCU has what should be one of its easiest games on the schedule against Oklahoma State, but it's on the road, it's at Stillwater, and, uh, you know, if there's any level of crowd at Gallagher-Iber, that is a very difficult place to play. Um, You know, TCU might be favored by, like, a bucket, maybe under two possessions, I bet, Um, Mm -hmm. against a team that is, you know, sub-500 overall for the season. That is now a must-must-win game. You can't lose that game. and then you go at Waco at Baylor on uh, this weekend, this coming weekend. I mean, it things can really, really snowball in a hurry. And so, 
we have to hope, that, <coughs> excuse me, we have to hope that TCU turns this around um, going into this game in Stillwater. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue for as we move forward, Oklahoma State and Baylor coming up on the schedule. Uh, we've talked a lot about the turnovers, of course. I think Trey Tennyson is going to be a continued factor offensively. The way that he's been shooting the ball has been really fun to watch. I think he's early in the season. I talked about how he needed to be a starter and how his shooting just kind of unlocks this TCU offense in the half court setting. His play is going to be so important over these next several games because TCU has had some issues getting out on the fast break. As we saw in non-conference play, TCU was excellent in getting out in transition, scoring points off the fast break. But these last couple of weeks, it's been a bit of a struggle. And, of course, some of that might be due to a, uh increased athleticism and talent level playing in this conference. But uh, Trey Tennyson may be the guy in the half court that TCU has to really run its offense through because – he he's been efficient from the three point line. He's been efficient on his free throws and he's been pretty good in the mid range area as well. Um, he hasn't turned the ball over as much as Anderson and Nelson have. So I've been really impressed with Trey Tennyson. And I think he's, he's going to need to be your guy that can get you a bucket when you need it. Because as I've watched these last couple of games, watching TCU in the half court, I feel like, Putting Tennyson aside, TCU has really struggled to find someone that can get them a bucket when they absolutely need it. When the offense breaks down and it's late in the clock, the ball's being held out well beyond the three-point line, who's the guy that can be kind of like a cheat code for you? Um, Mike Miles Jr. was that guy last season. He was that guy two years ago. Even at times last year when Mike Miles was hurt, Damian Baugh knocked down some big shots. Um, I, I I really haven't seen that from Nelson or Anderson consistently in Big 12 play. Uh, Miller, I think, is theoretically the guy that should be that. But to credit Cincinnati and, and really to credit Iowa State, they've done a nice job against him. Miller had, I think, just 10 points in the Iowa State game. He was three for eight shooting and also didn't have a good shooting percentage against Cincinnati. So uh, TCU really needs to uh, get its half court offense rolling here uh, because the, the fast break points just haven't been coming the way that they were early in the season. So hopefully we can see that against Oklahoma state on Tuesday, really hope that the turnovers get cleaned up. I'm not sure if we'll see a lineup change. I mean, I would say, bench Anderson put Nelson back in the starting lineup, but he, he hasn't been very good handling the ball either. So I, I don't know if you just continue to roll with, with Avery Anderson and hope that he can bounce back and start taking better care of the ball. But you, you're right on the money, Anthony. I agree a hundred percent. This Oklahoma state game, if you lose this game, uh, you're, you're in real trouble uh, because I mean, even after Baylor, you got to play Texas tech it's it's going to be really, really challenging over these next few weeks uh, should TCU not be able to pull out this win in Stillwater. So hopefully TCU can get it done. Um, again, I think the Frogs have rebounded the ball pretty well. 
I think uh, Ernest Uday has been much improved over the last couple of games. I love how active he's been on the offensive side because he's not really the kind of player that is going to be a featured low post option. He's going to be more of a hustle guy and he's been making those hustle plays over the last couple of games, which has been nice to see Um, Xavier Cork and Isam Mustafa. Someone please do something. Um, We've talked about Cork a lot over the last couple of years and how, you know, he'll, he'll have a solid game here and then kind of disappear for a week and then he'll have another solid performance. Then he'll disappear again. Um, he's, he's kind of a vanishing act right now, the way he's performed the last couple of games, we've seen him do much better. So hopefully he can bounce back. And then Mustafa, I got to admit, I'm, I'm a little disappointed with what I've seen from Isam Mustafa so far. I thought he was going to be, uh, much more effective on the offensive end. I wasn't expecting a whole lot defensively, but given his track record as a, a borderline double-double guy coming over from Coastal Carolina as a, a two- or three-year starter. Uh, to, to not score a point over the last three games and to, I think, only have six rebounds over the last three games, that's that's not going to cut it. Um, TCU's been rolling with a, a rotation that features three big guys. Uh, Mustafa and Cork have been kind of splitting those backup center minutes and Somebody needs to do something. Um, TCU can't continue to move forward with production from just one big guy. Uh, and again, Uday has been very solid over the last couple of games, but he can't do it alone. So somebody's got to step up there. Um, those are those are kind of my overall thoughts on where things stand for TCU right now. I'm I'm not by any means in panic mode. Uh, TCU thirteen and five overall, two and three in the conference. The season's not over by any stretch. The last couple of games have been frustrating and very disappointing given how the Oklahoma and Houston games went, but uh, TCU could very well bounce back with a big win in Stillwater and then steal a game in Waco and alleviate a lot of these concerns that we're talking about tonight. So, yeah, uh, Anthony, any any final thoughts from you here? What are you going to have to see from TCU this week, beginning with the Oklahoma State game on Tuesday? Yeah, we've gone too long on this, but just to put in context how bad the turnover situation was in this Iowa State game, TCU had a 40%, over 40% turnover rate. That's 40% of possessions ended with a turnover. That is impossibly bad. Um, Oklahoma State is one of the worst turnover teams. They're they're sub 300 uh, nationally. In Division One basketball, at turnover rate, they have some of the most turnovers uh, per game, and and their turnover percentage is at twenty percent. Uh, so TCU against Iowa State was twice as bad as one of the worst turnover teams in the country. Uh, the the most turnovers average per game in all of NCAA Division One basketball is seventeen point four average turnover number per game. TCU had more than that in the first half against Iowa State. It is a historically bad, impossibly bad performance uh, from TCU. So 
that's just some context to put on that. But mentioning that with Oklahoma State, we have to see that flip in this game in Stillwater, where TCU gets back to its ways of forcing turnovers from the other team and mm-hmm. and putting a bad team into bad positions. Um, they need to go out and, and fully take advantage of Oklahoma State's poor turnover rate. Um, you know, Oklahoma State is also a very slow team uh, as far as their tempo. They're going to try to make this game as low as scoring as possible. They're going to muck it up. Um, and so TCU's ability to get things out on the run is going to be very, very critical here uh, to, to go and take this game where um, Oklahoma State shoots it pretty well from three. They defend well from three. Um, but they are a terrible in in ball handling and, and in possession uh, with their turnovers. So TCU must, must take advantage of that, get back to their ways as one of the best in the country at forcing turnovers and scoring on the fast break. Um, going into Waco's, I mean, that's going to be a, a really tough game. I, you know, I think it's one that TCU will be pretty heavy underdogs. Uh, Baylor has drop some games though. Uh, they've looked more vulnerable than maybe I certainly than I expected. Um, and I, I think, can you prevent those guys from getting scorching hot from three point range? Um, Baylor, one of the best three point shooting teams in the country. Can, can you defend that? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, they've, they've got some, some big time stars, the true freshmen, I think it's going to be a challenge. TCU, a 2-0 and week for TCU coming up would be absolutely massive. But this game against Oklahoma State is a must-win uh, to really stay alive in, in your hunt for uh, a March Madness NCAA tournament bid. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to follow the men's team, not only here on Frogs Up, but also on our website, frogsofwar.com. So be sure to... Check out our website and continue to follow us on our Facebook and Twitter as well as we continue to recap all of the men's basketball action. We will transition now into TCU women's basketball. And boy, what a week it was for the women's program. We talked on the podcast last weekend about the loss against Houston where Jaden Owens suffered a serious knee injury. It has been revealed now that she has torn the ACL and meniscus in that injured knee. There was a announcement put out about it by TC women's basketball. She is done for the season. In addition to that, their backup forward slash center Deja Turner uh, injured her ankle. I believe in that Houston game and has to undergo ankle surgery and will also be out for the remainder of the season. Sedona Prince is still out with the fractured finger. Sedona actually put out a TikTok a few days ago where she spent about two to two and a half minutes talking about all of the injuries that have hampered the program over the last few days. And the reason why that was put out, I had to guess, would be because TCU kind of shocked the women's college basketball world by announcing Wednesday they would be canceling the game against Kansas State on Wednesday 
they would also be canceling the game against Iowa State that was supposed to be held yesterday. I think the the announcement may have actually come uh, earlier than Wednesday, but uh, nevertheless, TCU forced to forfeit two conference games, which we are not in COVID world anymore. This is post-pandemic college basketball. To see any sort of cancellation slash forfeit is very bizarre. It doesn't happen often. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen it for a TCU, a major TCU sports program. Uh, I'm not including the pandemic. I know TCU a few years ago had a, a bowl game canceled due to the pandemic and then a COVID outbreak, but uh, TCU women's basketball, two ranked opponents coming up on the schedule that will receive forfeit victories. And how that works is TCU's Overall record will not be affected, but they will forfeit two games in conference. So they automatically fall from one and four to one and six in the conference. And to make matters worse, uh, TCU put out a announcement that they were going to hold open tryouts for any full-time TCU students looking to walk on to the program for the remainder of the season. Uh, multiple reports. There was a report from Steven Johnson, who does a great job for the Forward Star Telegram, that TCU was down to six scholarship players for the Kansas State game on Wednesday. And the reason for that, in addition to the Deja Turner and Jaden Owens injuries, uh, reportedly multiple players suffered injuries in practice on Tuesday. Sedona Prince said in her TikTok that uh, multiple players are dealing with feet issues. There is another player who stepped away from the team before Christmas to deal with family matters. So uh, TC was down to six scholarship players for the Kansas State game. Um, uh, Jeremiah Donati, TCU athletic director, released a statement because there was a lot of buzz on social media about what actually is going on with the program. Is this truly just a team snake bitten by injuries, or is there something else going on that isn't being reported? Uh, you had Kansas State fans coming out on Twitter and criticizing the TCU women's basketball program and poking fun at the nature of the, the injuries and saying, oh, if you've got six players, that means you have to play, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the tickets weren't going to be refunded. That was also part of the announcement that was put out, and a lot of K-State fans were upset about that. Um, it's been a very hellish last several days for the TC women's team. Uh, there was a little bit of news also that broke today. In light of the open tryouts that were held Thursday and Friday, uh, TCU has added a player to the roster. It is Sarah Sylvester, who is on the women's volleyball team. Uh, we if you've been listening to Frogs Up since the fall, we talked about TC women's bas uh, women's volleyball quite a bit. And Sarah Sylvester, middle blocker, 6'3", had a great season, uh, set the program record this year, I believe, for most blocks in a match. Uh, she is going to now be on the women's basketball team as a dual sport athlete. So that's kind of a fun News bit there. We'll see if she gets actual playing time. I'd be very curious to see how that unfolds. But ultimately, uh, TCU is currently scheduled to play against UCF on Tuesday. So it does not look like any more 
cancellations or forfeits will be needed, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully no more players get hurt. Uh, Madison Connor, Agnes Emma, Nopu, Una Yovanovich, Aliyah Robertson, they are presumably all healthy, ready to go. It's going to be a tight rotation, but just a very, what started out as just very bizarre news has just, it just seems to get worse and worse for this program. And it's, it's just such a shame. Uh, the way the season started off, so much positive energy, so much enthusiasm for the program, 14-0, and undefeated in non-conference play, beating BYU, uh, hanging tough with a really good Baylor team on the road. But it's it, it's it's really snowballed here and, and kind of gotten out of control. But uh, Anthony, what was your reaction to all of this news that broke over the last several days? And uh, what are your thoughts on just ultimately where this where this program stands right now and, and can this team even recover from everything that's happened? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, heart breaks for all of the players on this team um, to have to forfeit these games to, you know, be <clears throat> in the situation where it's, you know, kind of looking like a lost season. Um, you know, some of these, like Jade Nolan's injury, that's, as I understand it, the end of her college career, um, yep. you know, unless she's granted a, a medical red shirt of some kind here, though, having played half of a season, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think you just, you want all these players to get healthy and, you know, to, to do what's, what's best for them. And, you know, I, it is just so unfortunate the promise that this season sh was showing early on um for it to all fall apart like this um is it, just really unfortunate and I, I feel really bad for all the coaches and the players and you know want everyone to to get healthy again and get right so um that's that's first thing second thing is um Man, it, this is just crazy uh, that TCU has to cancel these games, forfeit conference games against ranked opponents. Um, and, you know, I guess one thing to kind of clear up, the the reporting that there are six scholarship players, there was a lot of social media activity of like, well, don't they have walk-ons? Uh, this isn't like the football team where there are, you know, whatever, 30 plus walk-ons or, you know, multiple walk-ons at every position. It, it doesn't work like that. That's not how a, a college basketball roster is built. The entire roster that's posted on gofrogs.com is 14 players. Um, so if you're saying there's six scholarship players and, you know, I've gone through the list and we've had this in our Frogs of War chat, like, I don't know how many of the players who are known to be available would not be on scholarship. So I think we're, we're talking about, you know, even if it's six players or it's seven players or at most it's eight players like that's, this is not like, Oh, well, yeah, they've got this whole other second roster of scout team. That's just sitting around ready to go play, you know, division one college basketball. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not realistic. So <clears throat> all of you, uh, man, I think I 
I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but I'm disappointed by particularly the Kansas State fans' uh, reaction on social media. I, you know, I, I think it's it is the lack of empathy, the lack of sympathy, the complete and utter just gross nature of the response of some of these people. It was, it's just it, like why, you know, like I, I don't, I don't understand you, you you need to to take this that seriously. You're getting a free conference win. Take your win and take your rest and move on with the next day. Um, you know, I, I I think that that was um a really poor showing from from that fan base. And I understand that social media is not real life, uh, but it it, it extends <clears throat> into their actual media as well, uh, which I think is is also unfortunate. But and to be fair, I don't totally agree that uh, TCU handled this in in 100% transparent or the best way possible. I think that <clears throat> more information could have been shared sooner. I think the Sedona Prince TikTok did more to inform the public on the situation than yep. any of the statements, any of the official statements from the school. Um yep. you know, I it's it's a <clears throat> It's a tricky subject because you can only say so much. Um, injuries and the nature of injuries are, you know, it's not required public information. Um, you know, if these if these players share out, then then you know the information's out there. But not everybody is sharing their personal injury information, and you know that's that's within their rights. So there is a little bit of a dance around there where, where you don't want to breach privacy. Um, but I think that it could have been handled at least with, look, here's the situation. Here are people who are hurt here. There, here's the quantity of additional other people who are hurt and here's how it happened. And the way that Prince lays it out, it's, it's just, it was much more clear than, and, and, that the university was unable to provide a statement of that clarity prior to her social media posts. Um, you know, she is a very talented social media personality. She she's very very good at that, and I think her statement said everything without like throwing anybody under the bus or saying anything that wasn't really already known. Um, mm -hmm. But she just laid it out so well. So I, <clears throat> kudos to her, and and I'm not really sure the refund situation. I mean, like, honestly, like the tickets are five or six dollars. Um, you know, I, I don't know why TCU wouldn't just refund the tickets. Um, yeah. it, that makes no sense. It must be, there must be some sort of something in the systems or something with revenue sharing in the conference. I don't know. Um, but I do think that TCU could have done a better job in handling this. Um, but at the end of the day, it is this this program is suffering through these injuries and they are working as hard as they can to make the most of it and get back out there on the court this week. And um, I think, you know, everybody here in town should should make their best efforts to get out there to Schallmeyer, uh to see him take on UCF, a game that they um, even shorthanded should be very competitive. Yeah. And if there's a, a sliver of positive news, Sedona Prince did. Uh, give an update on her timeline. That's something that we were 
kind of unsure on is she had the surgery on that injured finger and we were kind of wondering what's her timeline looking like. Is she going to be back this year? She said seven weeks, which uh, I take that as seven weeks from the day of surgery to getting back on the court. So it sounds like uh, mid to late February is when Sedona Prince will be back. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a season ender, which that's, that's a bit of good news uh, that Sedona Prince has probably not played her last game at TCU. And of course was phenomenal when she was out there uh, averaging over 21 points a game, over 10 rebounds, playing like one of the top centers in all of women's college basketball. So that was a bit of good news that it sounds like Sedona Prince will be back at some point this year. And with TCU playing UCF at home, I would be curious to see if head coach Mark Campbell, when he speaks to the media, if he will kind of give his comments on the situation as well, because that's one person we haven't really heard from since all of this went down is the head coach. So I'd be curious to see if any media will be at the game and if they will ask him about that, or if this will just be kind of a, a story that fades away. But uh, the bottom line here is this team is really running on fumes at the moment with these injuries. And you just, you just hope that there isn't so much pressure now on the remaining healthy players that you see more players go down that, I mean, that would make a, uh, a downward spiral even worse and hopefully TCU can can steal a couple games here in, in the near future um, again they've gone from 14 and0 to 14 and four um, one and six in the conference now with, with the two forfeits it's a six game conference losing streak so a win against UCF would feel really good and you just hope that these players can uh, continue to get healthy all of the feet issues that are happening right now hopefully those can can be resolved and uh we'll we'll see if sarah sylvester gets out on the court i guess she played some high school basketball and uh averaged about 11 points and eight rebounds as a high school player so uh with with that size at six three and that athleticism that leaping ability as a middle blocker maybe she'll do well in, in blocking some shots for uh for the tc women's team as they get ready to to play ucf and you know we'll continue to cover the women's program here on Frogs Up and also at frogsofwar.com. Uh, Anthony, any final thoughts on on that subject before we transition? No, no, that's all. Just looking forward to, you know, here here's the start of a Disney movie. Here we go. Let's let's t- take a little run here, win streak, maybe uh, keep this going, get an opportunity in March. Sure would be exciting. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, it broke a few hours ago. The Sarah Sylvester news. I'm not sure if TCU has added any other players to the roster right now. It looks like just one player. Uh, so we'll kind of keep our eyes on that as well. And maybe maybe there might be another dual sport athlete coming over from the the volleyball team or one of the other women's programs at at TCU. So uh, again, hopefully TCU can uh, bounce back with a win against UCF this week. As we'll go ahead and. Uh, transition out of women's basketball we have one more item to hit on this evening non-rev programs are back in action and anthony has a lot of these uh on the docket here anthony why don't you share with us everything that's going on in uh in the non-rev programs for tcu right now yeah i'll just roll through it really quick i mean um everything at tcu is is picking back up here in the spring season so looking forward to some of this stuff really getting rolling but 
TCU rifle sitting <clears throat> sitting at number two overall in the rankings. Took down number nine Ohio State uh, earlier this week. So that's they continued to put up uh, big big numbers and be one of the top teams in the country. And as we've come to expect at TCU, um, TCU women's tennis also got their season started. Uh, this weekend against Northwestern State took a 7-0 sweep there. Um, coming off their season last season where they won the NIT tournament, they will be participating in the indoor tournament this year, um, getting a chance to go down to Texas A&M for ITA kickoff weekend, uh, kind of the regional play to get a chance to move into the main bracket. Uh, their first match will be against Rice. And TCU men's tennis gets their season started this week against Abilene Christian. TCU men starting at number four overall in the ITA rankings. And uh, this coming weekend, Saturday, begins their ITA indoor tournament kickoff, uh, also taking on Rice. But that is here in Fort Worth, out at the indoor Purple Courts. So if you are in town this weekend, there will be some really exciting tennis uh, as TCU looks to go for a third straight indoor national championship. Um, and that, that gets kicked off on Saturday at 2 p.m. out there at the tennis facility. I think that's all uh, thus far of the stuff that's really gotten rolling. I think there's been some track um, that has been going as well. I don't have any updates on that stuff, but I've I've seen some of the updates that it's uh, TCU's putting up some big numbers there as well. And a couple shout outs here before we sign off. Uh, I'll start with Imani Bailey, who has accepted a invitation to the Senior Bowl. The TCU running back who declared for the NFL draft uh, participated in the Hula Bowl fairly recently, and he will now compete in the Senior Bowl as well. So that makes four TCU football players that will be participating in the Senior Bowl on February 3rd in Mobile, Alabama. Tight end Jared Wiley, cornerback Josh Newton, offensive lineman Brandon Coleman will be joining Imani Bailey there. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, TCU has had quite a few players in the Senior Bowl over the last year or so. So it'll be exciting to watch some of our frogs play with their TCU helmets one more time as they hope to hear their names called in the 2024 NFL draft. Also uh, former TCU tennis standout Cameron Norrie is on a big run in the Australian open right now. He is in the final 16. Uh, they're probably going to be starting that match here in a couple hours. He has a big matchup against uh, Alexander Zverev. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. Zverev. He's the he's the the number six player in the nation. Uh, Cam Nori coming in as a top twenty player as well. So that should be uh, a really exciting match to watch. We will probably be asleep by the time that concludes, since they are playing in the in the land down under. But something to keep an eye on as Cam Nori uh, looks to make a significant run at that major championship. So. Uh, with that, I think we will go ahead and sign off for the evening. Again, this is the Frogs Up TC Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We appreciate all of the support, as always, and we appreciate everybody for listening in. Uh, continue to follow us online at frogsaward.com, posting content there daily. 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War. And one last time, Charlie Hustle, get that new TCU basketball hoodie. Use that promo code Frogs of War. Get 15% off your purchase. And we should have some more exciting news from Charlie Hustle to share in the near future as we will uh, continue our partnership into 2024. So a lot of exciting things to come. We will be back recording here next weekend. We will have more men's basketball more women's basketball, maybe even some football. I know it's kind of a quiet week for football, but who knows with this transfer portal, things can flip in an instant. Um, So we will keep track of that as well. Uh, With that, I think we'll go ahead and close it out, and we will close it out with a Frogs Up. Frogs Up.